Heart. You gotta have heart. Miles and miles of heart. What is heart? Heart is running through a return man when the game is on the line. Heart is giving everything you have in practice, day after day. Heart is finding the strength to run down the field one more time when you can barely breathe. The heart in me pumps Husker Red. Hello. What's happening, John? Oh my God! You're. Why are you guys on video? Welcome to Fright Night, Doc. Oh shit! This uh, this whole video thing. Do you? Can you see me? No, we need to. You cannot, unless you're just a white outline with an egg-shaped head. Why do I see both of you? Because you turned your video cameras on. Yeah. This is really this is really disturbing. (laughs) I think what's really disturbing is that broken finger. Oh, damn. Oh. Uh, thanks, God, for that. <laughs> yeah, people love getting flipped off by that. Yeah, you know what? I saw guys blown to bits in World War One. so fuck you. Yeah, mustard gas. And he crawled down in the bottom of a crater hole, and there's that gas waiting for you. It's worse than Chipotle farts. <laughs> Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the Five Heart Podcast brought to you by Coronation.com, hosted on JitteryMonkey.com, part of the Jittery Monkey family of podcasts. My name is Greg Mahochko, and I'm joined. We're getting right to it. Hey, we didn't have a review episode because of schedule conflicts, so we're going to just dive right in. We're not even talking with Minnesota. Fuck Minnesota. Uh, we're going to get right into it. Hoss Reuters here. John Damn Johnston is here. Boys, it's a, a pleasure to reconvene the council. Pleasure's all mine. Pleasure's all yours. Let's beat Minnesota. You know, when he does that introduction, it's so professional. I mean, it's just... I, I, there, I have never had that voice. and I'm. You know what I mean? I've never been able to do that. I barely could speak English without stuttering or sounding like some drunk ass all the time anyway, even when I'm completely sober. What are you doing with your eyeballs? What are you doing? I can see Haas on video. I don't know why tonight I can see him on video. You're just, God, my God, you're freaking me out. Okay, it's Minnesota week. It's Minnesota week. It's Minnesota week. And you know what this week is? The battle for the $5 Bits of Broken Chair trophy? Well, it's that. You know what else it is? What is it, Haas? It's the Johnston Super Bowl. God damn right, it's personal. That's what it is. It's fucking personal. It is six weeks now. Six weeks now, I've been getting texts from my rotten son on a weekly basis during the games. That is some coach you got. Oh, how about this? How about look at this meme? Look at what Reddit College Football says. He doesn't go to our site. He goes to Reddit and the college football guys over there, which is fine. Those guys are funny. They're neat people. Whatever. He doesn't come to coronation though. Reddit's the trailer park of the internet. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, this this week's kind of personal. It's personal... We need to win this game because I'm tired of fucking shit. God damn it. I'm already swearing more than I have in the last three podcasts put together. Haas and I well, were... It's, pers- uh, it's personal for us, too, here on the Five Heart Podcast. Uh, last year, this Minnesota game was the very first time we did a post-game reaction show the day of the game. And 
it was bad. It was rock bottom. Um, we should probably, I don't know, let's not link that in the article. Let's just scrub it from the internet as if it never okay. happened. Go out there and, you know, let's break some oars on Saturday. Well, you know, there's something about moving on with your life. There's something about forgetting the past and forgetting the, everything that bad that's ever happened and just said, yeah, yeah, I can't change the past. I can't do anything about the fact that they didn't call a damn thing against Northwest except one lousy fucking false start penalty with two minutes Which left in the game. Which wasn't even a false start. Yeah, can't change that. We can't change that. All we can do is control what happens tomorrow. Really, we don't control anything except for the fact that if we win the, if we, if, if we we're going to win this game, we have to win this game. For Damn the right sake of, are. for the sake of my, oh screw it, we're going to win. I like it. Uh, I felt you know what? You know what? Just like our tourism slogan, Nebraska is not for everyone. Let Let's start having some edginess with the. You know, we already have the slogan. Let's let's just be mean and pissed off as a fan base from here on out. Even when we get good again, there's no clapping for the opposing team, you know, after games. There's no clapping after we lose. Let's just get mean and nasty. Well, that's not going to happen. No, uh, it's not. The nursing home. You know, here, 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 are, here are a couple of things. Uh, I just got home. Just got home from, should I say this? Yes. I, okay. I just got home from Stubb and Herb's which is an iconic bar next to the University of Minnesota where they had the chair. And I met the guys from Minnesota, the guys and gals from Minnesota who were involved. No, I didn't. Although I will say Husker Joe in Minnesota was there, one of our community members, and he won a tiny little like Barbie doll version of the chair, which was kind of neat. I mean, <laughs> the fact that they even made those is kind of cool. Wait, wait, wait. Does, uh, does it come complete with like it? like Riley. Neat. Does does it come complete with a little miniature five dollar bill taped to the bottom? I don't know. He didn't turn it over. I guess you know. All but right. uh, I I did an interview, which uh, you know Greg will get or Hooch will get and uh, put it on uh, on the podcast here. Hopefully, we will. Take I am it not. On. I am. I, you, you'll take a listen to it because I did it in a bar with a voice recorder and God knows what the audio, you know what the levels are going to be off the charts. But here's the thing. I want you to understand something. And uh, uh, I, I met the three people up here in Minnesota that were involved with the chair. And I think the thing that struck me about them is that they are passionate gopher fans. And you have to say this about the gophers. The gophers have not had a lot of success in football. Throughout their history, I mean, unless you go back to like 1939 and the Beerman years in which Minnesota literally was like Alabama up to 1939. And then, you know, whatever happened after that, 1962 has been their last Rose Bowl appearance. What happened in 1962? The Minnesota Vikings came to town and everybody stopped caring about the Gophers. But here's the thing. You have to admit that mostly during my lifetime, you know, not maybe before the Korean War years, but after the Korean War years, it's been, an e- being a Nebraska fan has been incredibly easy. I mean, Tom Osborne, nine years of 25, wait, nine, 25 nine years, years of 25, 25 yeah, 25 years and nine win seasons. Uh, even when you were angry about losing to Oklahoma, 
you we were always winners. We were winners all the time. And you, you look at other fan bases like Minnesota and Purdue and uh, Northwestern, and then uh, those people still have fans. And the fact that these guys are passionate Gopher fans, I mean, yeah, we I can make some of the. I ran into some of the biggest Northwestern fans. I I didn't even know they had fans, but ran into like, them on set. Right, they probably were four of them, and yeah. they majored Polly Sire or something. And they wore scarves and they talked about soccer and golf in, during TV timeouts. So, here's, they- speaking of Northwestern grads and, and alum, I I wish that that game was televised on any other network that had not. You know, didn't have ESPN affiliates because my God, it's oh, it's like coming out of a break. Let's all sing the Northwestern fight song or the alma mater. I like, saw that on my rewatch. Good lord, that was you know what? That just sucked. Um, yeah, it did. It did. It, it was. It, it was. It was. You know what? It was you know what? They could have had one fucking debate person on that whole thing and just smashed them. One Nebraska debate person or Whip. speech person said. Your journalism degrees suck ass. Anyway. How about how about women's volleyball, women's bowling? Why didn't you reach out to any of those programs? ESPN. Well, plus when they cut away from break, apparently they were too busy patting each other on the back to actually get most of the plays in. Because you cut away from a break and the half the play would be over. Also true. About about fifteen times that happened during that game. Yeah, the produ- uh, yeah, it was it was annoying when I was rewatching it. How often they cut back late to the play? Yeah, it was terrible production. But anyway, these these fans from Minnesota they're they're, they're passionate, and I've always you know I thought about. Uh, I mean, again, it's easy to be a Nebraska fan at zero and six. You know what it is? It's it's testing our patience. It's getting a little bit. Uh, it, it's tougher. I'm sure some people have gone to. I don't know. Go harvest in the field more. Go hunting more often. Maybe I don't know what they're doing. Maybe they go and look at uh, like the Packers come back against whoever they came back against. Oh yeah, the crappy team. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> here's the thing. I completely forgot where I was going with this. You're talking about the Huskers and Patience and, and Minnesota fans and how they've been. Uh, I, I'm guessing where you were heading with this is that Minnesota well, fans have had a, have had a, a a very long stretch without success, and uh, now that there's a little bit of energy in the fan base and in the program, uh, you know you're, you're getting they're they're getting out there and having some fun again. Well, no, that actually wasn't it. I just want us to stomp the living shit out of them, smash them into the ground, and crush their hopes and dreams, and make them all weep. Anyway. uh, (laughs) That's fine, too. Damn. I like it. Yeah. uh, One of them, uh, Joe, when we were doing the... when we're I did the interview with him. He brought up the 2003 game, uh, Minnesota versus Michigan, and uh, my wife and I were actually at that game. We decided to go to that game as an anniversary present to ourselves just to go to a college football game. And Minnesota let Michigan score 28 points in the fourth quarter. 
I don't, you guys are obviously I'm the old person here. I do remember that game with my wife sitting next to me. And we, I we remember that, watching that game on TV. Yeah, Chad Henney is running down the sideline. Chad Henney, the quarterback for Michigan, and he literally runs as fast as I do at the age of 56 after I've already been dead once. It, I could have tackled me. You know, and he, all Minnesota has to do is make one tackle, and they're going to go like to the Rose Bowl, I think it was, like Joe said in the interview. But it's terrible. Anyway, I've always wondered, you know, thought about, what would happen to our fan base if we were tested like this? At 0-6, we're being tested. Uh, I think our fan base is mostly intact. Uh, I think most of us recognize the fact that we shouldn't be 0-6. Even the Minnesota people tonight said that. You're not an 0-6 team, but, you know, you, we're still 0-6. Uh, you are what your record says you are. Yeah, but yeah. We, by and large, we don't look like you're – prototypical 0-6 team. Uh, you know, most of the time when you hear 0-6, you just think a team that can't do a fucking thing right. But, you know, there's a lot of bright spots, and a lot of the Northwestern fans at the game on Saturday were really impressed with, you know, this is a 0-5 team, and look how these guys travel. And then, of course, another one would be like, well, there's nothing to do there. Of course they travel. Of course they pay attention. But, um, yeah, being the only local guy, out of us three, it's, you know, spirits are high still. It's, hey, you know what I've heard about Nebraska? You know what I've heard about Nebraska recently? What's Honest, that? Honestly, it's not for everyone. <laughs> we get some coordination shirts made with that. <laughs> we, probably well, not, no, because, because that's, you know, it's probably trademarked or we'd get sued. <laughs> we could probably say it's not, I don't know, maybe we could come up with something. <laughs> I, I would like one that says Nebraska. It's better than you think. Well, we yes. could come up with our own slogans. Um, I want to talk about that too, but uh, you know, while we're touching on it, uh, let's go ahead and, and talk. Yeah, the Nebraska Tourism Board, you know, announced earlier this week that uh, the uh, apparently Nebraska ranks fiftieth. Uh, you know, among the states, which is last, if you remember geography, uh, it is last in in uh, uh, tourism. You know, from I guess you know incoming tourism from other states, and so they have created this new state slogan. Honestly, it's not for everybody. And holy cow, I don't even know where to start. I it, it just real quick. I mean, in in a couple of words, do we like the new slogan? I mean, or, or, I do. Okay. Yeah, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it because, you know, let's let's be honest with ourselves. I mean, Nebraska was a homestead state because nobody wanted to live there. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They literally had to give the land away. And and when you go back and look at Nebraska's history, the the history of Nebraska and people settling in it is so unbelievably harsh. That it, it you can't you can't separate the fact that that harshness made us as tough as hell, and that's not that's reflected in who we are to this day. And I think, and honestly, when we look at you can look at our Nebraska programs, okay, and you can look at why why is Nebraska one of the smallest states in this nation, 
in terms of population, but our volleyball just beats the shit. People come to our state to get girls to play volleyball. Why is that? Why? Because Nebraska was such a harsh place to live that you didn't have to you didn't have to have gender roles for some things. Everybody literally had to chip in on the farm to make things to, so that people could survive. And that's reflected in Willa Cathard's My Antonia. In, 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 in case you've never read the book, you illiterate sons of bitches out there. But uh, I, I, and you look at women's basketball is even good. And women's bowling just kicks ass. Women's rifle. But what are you going to do? Screw with a Nebraska girl? No, it's just shoot you from 450 yards away, you bastards. You know what? I, I, I look at it and I go, let's be honest with ourselves. We're 50th because probably the only thing people ever experience about Nebraska is driving down I-80 at 80 miles an hour, trying not to get run over from a semi from Walmart. Once you get west of Lincoln, it's not a very pretty drive. Having made that drive numerous times, I think the further west you go, uh, it gets quite nice, quite lovely in the sand hills in the Panhandle region, up in the Shadron State Park. Not dropping any names, right? Exactly. Um, you gotta go north of the interstate, though. Well, okay. Like, well, there's there's two things. People's impression on Nebraska just from the interstate. I mean, the Platte River Valley isn't exactly you know. It's the, the flattest river. land in America. I, it's not any oh, yeah, flatter. Kansas, I mean, John boy. Kansas is no, it, it literally is the flattest land in America, ge- geography speaking. That yeah. I-80 stretch in the Platte Valley, that's why the Oregon Trail was in Nebraska and not fucking Kansas. Plus, they're, they're assholes in Kansas, let's be fair. Well, let's They've been assholes it. for years. Let's talk yeah, about it. No, it's bigger assholes than Iowa. Let, no, let's talk, about, let, let's talk about this 50th you know, ranking. There's no reason that Nebraska should be lower in tourism than Kansas. Kansas has nothing. Uh, Nebraska at least has. I mean, from 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 a national interest standpoint, Nebraska at least has College World Series, and uh, of course, there's the legendary uh, fur trade days in Shadron, Nebraska, with the uh, world champion Buffalo Chip Toss every summer. I don't know how that you know isn't isn't talked about more. Um, you know what? You, uh, go ahead. And I was going to say, and Iowa has nothing uh, to offer ex- except for the failing Field of Dreams tourism site. Like, Iowa's nothing. Iowa's trash. Iowa's garbage. Des Moines like, makes me want to slip my wrist. Well, I'm glad it didn't. Okay, uh, you, here's a slogan for you. Nebraska, our state capital looks like a giant penis. <laughs> you know what, though? That, that would probably get yes. a lot of people out to Lincoln. I'm yeah, sure it's they probably. I bet somebody would have come up with that if Easy it wasn't made slugger. by like some state-sponsored thing that was all politically correct. They could have done the same thing with Jim Chimney Rock, where they go, "If you go east, there's a giant penis. You could go out west, and there's another one." <laughs> there's a very not safe for work joke to be had. Yeah, probably true. Anyway, I mean, you could market those things. You know, I mean, come on, it's the internet. You could, we could, we probably could come up with that for our own coronation shirts. We got two dicks, <laughs> Nebraska. We got two dicks. Each end of the state. We got an east dick and a west dick. 
Uh, not even gonna go there. Not even gonna say what I was gonna say. Oh, I mean, you, you look at the state capitol in Lincoln; it's, it's one it's of the architectural marvels across the Midwest. I mean, it really is. It just, you know, what they call it—the penis of the plains. Why didn't they market that goddamn thing? John, you're very uh, phallic-oriented. Well, I'm fired up tonight. You know what I did? I went out and actually talked to people. I don't socialize a lot with humans. What about the winos? Well, uh, they mostly grunt. (laughs) Do we we want to talk? uh, look back anymore at that Northwestern game, or do we just want to turn the page? There were bright spots. I was going to say, there were some bright spots. There were some nice new wrinkles and play calling thrown in. And I thought the offensive line actually played pretty well. Uh, I didn't have an aneurysm at any point while at the game. There were a couple of these. A couple of uh, holding by old 67. Yeah. uh, Okay, I I wrote about this stuff to bother me. the lost cause. I wrote about the holds in the Big Ten that don't exist. They haven't existed for years. They don't call holding. They don't call holding. You know what I mean? They don't just not call holding against Nebraska. They just don't call holding. You literally have have to tackle a guy on his way to the quarterback to get a holding call. You know, I was at the game. I was looking at Northwestern's left tackle, and he he was out, out around the shoulder pads on Ben Still. Ben, ben Stille, and the head referee is just standing there, hands in pockets, staring yeah. at it happening. Yep. And it just, it was enough. I mean, it was enough to make the 80-year-old farmer from Nebraska, Oakland, Nebraska, next to me, flip the field, the, the refs on the field, the double bird, and tell them to go F themselves. Wow. Just, nice. Hearing aids and everything. And he, Holy shit. Yeah, so I was keeping it pretty buttoned up before that because he was there with his wife and I think some young grandchildren. I was pissed, but keeping a lid on it. After that, I was just a welcome to the party pal moment. And then the other thing I wrote about was take a knee, take a knee, Scott. You know, listen. About what? He had, at the end of the game, at the end of regulation, they kick it short. What do we have? 12 seconds, 8 seconds? I don't care. You have J.D. Spillman, a guy which few people can ever cover. And then you don't even take a shot downfield just to see what happens? Yeah, a lot could have gone wrong. Oh, could have gone wrong. You're 0-5 at that a point. A lot could have gone You got to shoot. Really could have gone wrong. You know what? You know what? A lot could have gone wrong. You know what? You I, never, you never t- stop trying to score. No, of course you never stop trying to score, but there's also a difference in having some balls and just at la- and then lacking some brains. Yeah, well, we're all going to be dead someday and, you know, you know be, be twice, be permanently. Happened, we would have tried to take a deep shot to Spielman and something happened on the play, whether it's, you know, a strip sack or a pick six, everybody would just be cursing up a storm about how Scott Frost just, should just had Adrian Martinez take a knee and go to overtime. They would, but you know, maybe not be a puss boy. <laughs> Here, here's the thing about <laughs> your. I'm serious, you, you, Jimmy. I, I think Jimmy Jimmy Johnson is as a person that most people Nebraskans hate because he coached at Miami 
and he was an ass. And then he coached at Dallas and won Super Bowls, right, at Dallas? Yep. And I remember Jimmy Johnson saying, never stop trying to score. And that's an aggressive attitude that says, you, you always just go. Just go. Because, you know, there's a lot of fear in the NFL about doing the wrong thing and getting fired. And in that situation, yeah, because there are a lot of things that could go wrong. Yeah, but there's a lot of things that go right, too. So what happens Which, if you know what what happens if we hit him on a quick pass over the middle, get down to field goal range, call timeout, get Barrett Pickering out there, and it's a blocked field goal. I mean the the risk far outweighs any reward. I'm, I'm no, gonna, it doesn't. I'm, no, it does not. Here, here's, here's I'm coming. I'm driving like to your Riley, house. And, I'm coming Riley to your house and kicking your ass tonight. Well, I'll uh, I'll put the coffee on and stay up for you, John. Yeah, okay, fine. Here's here's there there are worse things that could happen in a situation like that than you know a blocked punt or a strip sack or or pick six or something like that. You got J.D. Spielman going across the middle. What if he gets lights out lit up? I mean, you got you got to take injury in, into account. And and the the thing about that is. If if you go for it with 12 seconds left, you try to move the football, you try to make something happen, and it works, you're a hero. If you if if you you know cause something, if the play call or or the defense something causes a play that goes the other way, get, they get points. Or like I said, you know if somebody gets hurt, then you're the jackass. I mean, you you can't. Okay, listen. First of all, he's not going down the middle. He's just streaking downfield on a post route, and you're just backing up and throwing the ball high in the air, kind of like, what was that, what's that dumb game? I mean, come on, you guys are younger than me. Uh, 445, 4,500, what was that uh, game? 500, where you just throw the ball in the air and the call the points, and then you catch the ball and you get the points, and then if you get the points, you get to go throw the ball. What is Isn't this that game? The game? So did you think... So did you support Mike Riley's decision to go for it on fourth and seven against Illinois in twenty fifteen? I can't remember any of that. It was twenty fifteen. I was recently dead. Fair enough. Greg, you were at that game, so you know what I'm talking about. I was at that game. Um yeah. no, I did not support that decision. I didn't support the, yeah. any decision that ended up in a loss. Yeah. I, I don't so, think uh, he, here's the thing. The the getting the ball back with twelve seconds and taking a knee didn't lead to the loss. It was the conservative play calling in the final, really the final quarter. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that play calling in the final quarter was awful. There um, was going away from Zigbo when he's averaging seven yards per carry, and just trying to mash it right up the middle against Northwestern when we're not good enough up front just to line up and run inside zone. We need to get Martinez involved with his legs. You know, we need to continue to be aggressive in the play calling. That's where. Oh, what? Aggressive in the play calling, but not taking it. Frick. No, I, I said this. I said this uh, during the uh, crap, not Northwestern. Who, who did we lose to before Northwestern? I've already put Wisconsin. it out. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think I talked about it on the show after this. Late in the game, we started running some tempo, and we started finding success. Early in the game against Northwestern, we ran a little tempo. We found success. I actually put a, a meme up, uh, a post on Facebook that says, hey, 
we got a first possession score and a, on offense and a first possession stop on defense. Everything's coming up Millhouse. Mm-hmm. For some reason, at some point, you know, when we were up, you know, by two scores, we went away from that formula and we played. You we know, played it, not to lose. exactly. I mean, I, 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 there's no other way to say it. I was, I was just going to slide in, you know, that cliche line disclaimer. But yeah, we played not to lose. We played. All right, well, you know, we've got a lead. Okay, let's do everything we can to hold on to the ball. No, you are 0-5 at the time. You need to continue to strike. You need to continue to improve every play, every series, and continue to work on the offense that, you know, the offense is great. The offense has been doing its job for the most part when given the opportunity. The defense at, you know, by and large has to step up there are some playmakers that that you know we've been talking about all season going back to that Colorado game Mo Berry Mo Berry's been Mm -hmm. a beast all season long you've got uh, the Davis twins who are you know playing well but still making I I don't even know stupid mistakes we had the the uh, personal foul you know the hands to the head that was you know I made the comment I didn't post it online but I thought it to myself I said wow you know that hand to the helmet hurts the hand more than the the quarterback, you know, in in the helmet. So some of those things, I mean, they can't really rewrite the rules, although, I mean, they can, they probably should. There's contact with intent to hurt and then there's just contact, you know, and I don't mm-hmm. I don't know how how that gets Okay, know. listen. Listen. I wrote the article Listen, I could I can look at I could see you on video now, and now I see all your facial reactions. Like, just like God, this guy's interrupting me again. Anyway, uh, few people ever read the NCAA rule book. True, and okay. what is not in the NCAA rule book is intent. You can't because you can't read the mind of a defensive player, an offensive player. True, and the second thing that is not in like don't hit the quarterback in the head is was he blocked into him or not it's just a clear call if you hit the quarterback in the head it's a foul that's it it doesn't matter if you're pushed into him doesn't matter what i mean there's the people need to read either understand the rules or just admit that they're complaining about the calls well okay and i'll, I'll admit i'm complaining about the calls i i've you know i've I, I hate referees. That's perfectly fine. Uh, but if you are a defensive lineman trying to put a pass rush on and the quarterback makes the arm motion and see, now I'm on video, so John, you can see this, makes the arm motion and you got your hands up trying to, you know, bat the, the ball down. If you miss the ball, your hands are still up. The hands got to go down somewhere. What are you supposed to do? Just you know, swipe swipe around him, and and I mean, there, there's no it's a it's a no win situation for you know a, a defensive lineman. Okay, okay, well, but we've seen this in the NFL now. We've literally seen this in the NFL, where for the first time in a long time in the NFL, and I know the NFL is in college, where you literally kind of almost not play defense the way you could before. Okay, agree. So yeah. the 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 thing is with college is always literally throughout my entire lifetime is the concept has been defense wins championships. The way games are called now, defense can 
can barely, I, I don't want to see barely, but they can't really be defense anymore because they just, they want, number one, everybody loves scoring, and number two, everybody wants to not hear about players getting concussions and getting hurt. And number three, the NCAA, especially in the NFL, want to protect themselves against more lawsuits. And they want to appear like they're making the game safer, if nothing else. So the reason why you're seeing a lot of these calls is because of that third reason where they're appearing to make the game safer. All right. When, okay. Yeah. I, 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 I understand that. When people, when people are expecting our def first number one, our defense isn't good because we're missing some depth. Is that not right, Haas? Yeah, we're missing depth and we're missing we need a pass rusher, we need an, another outside linebacker who's good in coverage, and we need a good cover corner. Okay. We're missing the, three three key pieces. The other thing is is we're also seeing a shift in college football and football in general. What the defense isn't going to win championships. And now that's a statement that I'm making without any data, but that I think that's where we're going with the future of football. Here's well, the, the thing. Go ahead. I was just going to say that when people, I think when people say defense wins championships, so many times they just look at the aggregate yardage totals that a defense gives up instead of, points and turnovers and third down defense those three categories i just listed that's where defense wins championships that's why the new england patriots can go on a tear and win you know super bowls with defenses that really aren't very highly rated yardage wise but they play good situational defense inside the red zone and on third down that's a good point i would say i would say i'm gonna i'm gonna rip off on one thing here Okay. I, I I saw a lot of comments on our site, and I go around on like Facebook and I read the comments or like the Omaha World Herald articles and the Lincoln Journal Star articles, and it amazes me. Or some of the Facebook groups full of Husker fans that I'm not going to name. I love our fans. Husker Army. <laughs> okay, whatever. But the number of people. <laughs> That are already bitching that Eric Chenander needs to be fired is really unnerving. It is. I don't. I, I don't understand why the fuck these people want to go through their fourth defensive coordinator in four years. That as pissed as I was after the game about the defensive play calling, just the lack of defensive execution late in the game, firing. Shenander after one year would be an absolute disaster in terms of program management. Uh, you got to give guys a shot to learn past year one without resetting the chessboard. You got to give an opportunity to bring in those key pieces that were missing and develop ones that are already on the roster. And honestly, Shenander, I don't want to make this sound like, you know, Frost and him are tied at the hip. But it's a perfect case of Shenander knows that the goal of defense in modern college football, and then especially being a defensive coordinator on a team that runs, you know, frost offenses, you're not going to limit yards, but you're limiting points and you're just trying to play good situational defense. At UCF, I remember a lot of people got up in arms here about the 
55 points that they gave up to Memphis in the American Athletic Conference championship game. Well, a lot of people don't realize that three of those touchdowns came on short fields from Mackenzie Milton throwing interceptions. But inside the red zone, when Memphis would get inside the red zone against UCF's defense, they weren't able to do much because Chip Dander could bring you know, blitzes, change-up coverages, and he could get home with only three or four guys rushing because he had a guy like um, um, drawn blank, Shaquem Griffin. Then he had a good coverage outside linebacker like Nick Jasinski. Then he had Mike Hughes at DB, who's now at the Minnesota Vikings. So he had those three pieces that we're missing. If we have three pieces like that, our red zone third down defense looks drastically different. I've disagreed with some of the calls that he gets into on third and long, but a lot of them would look a whole hell of a lot better if we had a guy who could actually get after the quarterback. Nick or Luke Gifford is not that guy. He plays his balls off, but he's not an apex predator pass rusher. And Mo Berry is playing his ass off, but he's still not Shaquem Griffin or, you know, Nick Jasinski dropping back into coverage. So being patient and allowing another year of players learning this defense and then bringing in the pa- the paces. Wow, I sound like from Texas there. The pieces, I think it would bode, bode better in the long run. Okay, well, here I want you to think about something. Minnesota has gone, in the last few years, has gone through Jerry Kill, Tracy mm-hmm. Clays, and now P.J. Fleck. Well, I wouldn't those, count Tracy Clays as separate because he was just running what Jerry Guild spent, you know, three or four seasons installing. Yeah, but they've, you know, what they've had is they've had a good defense through three coaches. Consistency is going to breed some of that. You can't just, you can't just fire coaches and fire coaches and fire coaches and think that some freaking guy is going to walk in and sprinkle magic fairy dust on your players and they're going to be a good defense and here's the the, here's the the thing that people need to realize i think is that uh when you look at a coordinator position in football that's like looking at your manager in your job okay everybody has a different manager style haas is talking about technique and scheme right pretty much Right. And when you when you look at so people can compare it to who they are in their daily lives. If you went through four managers in four years, you either better be working in a high turnover industry like retail or fast food or you're insane. Because if you had everybody has a different management style in your job that you people listening are doing. Some people are yellers. Some people are control freaks. Some people are like micromanagers where they're going to tell you everything to do every single moment of your every day. And if you do that wrong, well, then you're screwing up. Some people are going to be loosely managed so that they go, I expect you to think for yourself. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you could imagine yourself having four different managers in four years in your job, either you're running around like you're trying to stay ahead of the law or, you know what I mean? If you yeah, can put it in perspective. I know exactly what you mean, actually, because I've had, I was just doing a count in my head. I've had four managers in the past two years at my job. And each one brings in a different management style. And 
Some, you know, go the way of the dictator and they try to run everything with an iron fist and stomp out, you know, employees have any, having any sense of autonomy or decision making. Other ones, you know, they have too loose of a grip to the point where you're making decisions, you know, on your own and you just better hope it's the right one and someone else, you know, can, you know, will understand that it was your decision and, you know, they're able to pick up where you leave off. I've had other ones who just had a bad plan, maybe had good people skills, but they had a bad plan. Now I'm fortunate to have one who's, you know, good people skills, good plan, um, tells everyone what they need to do, but also allows for some autonomy. And it's hell because every time you get used to one style, the apple cart gets upset and you, they bring in somebody else. And then there's a two, three month process of figuring out how they want things done. And then when you finally get in the groove of how they want things done, you get another one coming in. So it's the same thing. Some people think that sports are like a fairy tale or not, or are not governed by, you know, the same issues that jobs are in the real world. People are people. And you're always going to have those same problems, whether it's, you know, running a football program or running a rental car branch. So we resolve that shit. <laughs> Can we, are we moving on? Did we move on? Yeah. We I don't on. know. Where, we, I don't know. You got talk, something else to say, Joe? I'm kind of, I'm kind of rambling, aren't I? No, it's, it's a great. I was going to say, if you had anything to add to that, that you wanted to call that. I, I did. I, I think it, it, I, I think that it's important that we get so tied up in sports and we get so tied up in these games and we get so tied up in things that we don't recognize the fact that, that uh, football teams are not that when you, when you read, and I have been for years, I've reviewed tons of books by Bo Schembechler, Ur- Urban Meyer. I can't talk. Um, I mean, Tom Osborne wrote books. Every coach that's been successful puts out the book. John Cook put out a book. Mm-hmm. Probably the only volleyball coach. Well, Terry Pettit put out a book, too. Okay, new, two Nebraska volleyball coaches. How closely tied all these coaching books are to, you know, your life and what you do and your job as a project management person or your job as a nurse. I don't know. Whatever you do in your job, your job is a machinist. I don't care. The principles are, you know, they're transcendent. They, they, they cover every profession. Every profession has the same things that apply. You know, that this is why Lou Holtz, that multiple NCAA cheating bastard that he was, still gets invited to business seminars and does business, gets paid shitloads of money to do business motivational speaking, even though he's a cheating bastard that left every program in NCAA violations that he ever With coached. a list. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's move on. Probably get sued for that. Could I get sued for that? Allegedly left. Yeah, there we all go. Those for programs and disarray. Okay, Minnesota. What do we know about Minnesota? They like to row boats. And they do not have their quarterback who torched us last year. They have a true freshman walk-on, Zach Annexation of Puerto Rico. I think it's his last name. I'm not quite sure. Good pull there um, from Little Giants, man. 
man. It's been a while since I've seen that movie. I still find myself referencing that quite often, actually. Spike, don't um, play with girls. Shannon Brooks got arrested. I saw he that. He did. There's no charges, but the University of Minnesota. I, well, let's move on from that. <clears throat> anyway. Hey, we here, Gumble in the house. Here, well, <laughs> there's, there were no charges apparently filed. I don't know what's going to happen to him. Uh, but uh, I th- and Rodney Smith, their their biggest quarterback, or their, I'm sorry, their biggest their biggest offensive threat early in the season is out for the year. Minnesota is not an offense that's going to score a lot of points. Yet they hung with Ohio State for three quarters last weekend. They did, and their defense is. I mean, this P.J. Flex second year, and let's face it, he literally has a, like you said, a walk-on quarterback, a true freshman walk-on quarterback, right? Mm-hmm. How could you, he's Minnesota, he's a Big Ten school, and he couldn't recruit a quarterback. He, he, they don't have much of an offense, yet they hung with Ohio State. Yeah, they they do have an excellent kick. They do have an excellent kicker. I don't know. It's been a, a, a weird, you know, we're going to run down their schedule real fast. It's been a weird uh, weird season for Minnesota. They opened with a 48-10 win over New Mexico State, uh, won against Fresno State 21-14, and uh, picked up a 26-3 win over, over, over uh, Miami of Ohio. The first loss came in Big Ten play to Maryland, uh, 42-13, and then they lost to number 19, Iowa, 48-31. And then, as uh, John referenced, losing last week to number 2, Ohio State, 30-14. to 3-3, three and three, uh, but all three of their losses are, are in conference play. Um, I don't know. I think that bodes well for Nebraska. I, I think that uh, – I, I think the Minnesota – I, I think that Minnesota is ripe for the picking. Um you know, I just well, they damn well better be because it's personal. Well, I mean, it's personal in one house. Oh wow! I thought you guys loved me. <laughs> I mean, we do, but you know, I just, my name's not Johnston, so I can't claim any any uh, share of the Johnston Super Bowl. Hey, John. He, say, he says what? that with such a professional voice again. John, when we win on Saturday for next week's show, can we bring on Rotten Son and just roast him the entire time? Well, you could, but he's an introvert. So he won't fight back? Well, no, he probably actually would, but here's the thing about him. He would he would allow you to say 3,000 words, and then he'd say, like, five, but they'd be the five most perfect words you ever heard. Maybe he's really Google. annoying that way. <laughs> you know? I mean, like when he texts me, he texts me right at the right time. You know, kind of like some coach you got there. It's that's it. That's all. He, it's not like a long text. Like, oh, you're you suck as a dad and you're worthless and everything. Why did you ever grow up in Nebraska? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just ah, some coach you got there. You know, it's very simple. He's very good at it. He's masterful. Have but you, he probably wouldn't talk a lot. Have you decided to not invite him to Thanksgiving? Uh, I, you know what? I, I still, uh, I'm still married, and I still love his mother. 
Don't know what she sees in you. Nobody ever did. This has been one constant throughout my entire marriage. She's a very beautiful woman. As we're getting older, she's still the hottest woman around. And people, when we meet, they still look at her and they look at me and they go, what the fuck is going on there? <laughs> That's one constant throughout my, my entire marriage is, what the hell? That guy. That guy must have money. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Or. Yeah. 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 That's pretty much what it is. You know what I mean? That's what we're saying. Anyway, uh, uh, Minnesota, their defense, their defense is decent. I mean, their defense held uh, Ohio State to 30 points. I mean, mm-hmm. on the other hand, they gave up a lot of points to uh, Maryland. They get a lot of points to Iowa. But I think this is a team still trying to find itself. And it's a young team. It's PJ Flex second year. And that poor bastard has a lot of he has a lot of work ahead of him. He's gonna turn Minnesota into a D uh, into a a consistent bowl winning team like Glenn Mason did. While we're that, talking about head is that coach the Minnesota fan expectation. I I I think that what we talked about tonight with the you know the uh, Joe Bernard, who is the chair guy for Minnesota, is we talked a little bit about Glenn Mason and um, Glenn Mason was the coach, the best coach that Minnesota had for that time, and I think that uh, I mean Glenn Mason was a good coach for Minnesota. He had he had a good offense. He understood what Minnesota could do offensively. You know what I mean? He had, he had really Mar- good offensive lines. He did. He did. And he had, you know what? He, he had Tyrone Carter and he had, uh, who was a guy that won the space that won the Mackey Mike space. Oh yeah. That tight end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. He had like Lawrence Maroney and Marion. Right. Barber. Right. He entered, he, he understood what he could use in Minnesota to build a good offense. And then he used, he, I think he did a good job for Minnesota. The problem, was is that you know like so many guys um he just he collapsed you know they collapsed too many times i, t- I yeah, told against you, texas tech and that yeah you know what i i will say this if you go back if you go back in uh, sb nation history and i don't know if this exists anymore i mean i'm known on our website for the 2011 ohio state game that was before you guys were around, mm-hmm. right? Uh, yeah. yeah. Okay. But Do you know what me. happened? The 2011 Ohio, Ohio State, State game? Collapsed. Right. But you know what happened on our website? Oh, it went crazy, I'm imagining. No, here's what specifically happened, okay? For... The, coming into the 2011 season, I'd gotten a lot of complaints about corn. Coronation was growing, and I'd gotten a lot of complaints about the fact that we weren't, quote, family friendly, unquote. So what I did at the beginning of the season, I said, there's no swearing on game threads. <laughs> okay. Okay. And we kept that, the, we kept that going until... We were down twenty-seven to three to Ohio State in two thousand eleven, and I couldn't take it anymore. And I, they're literally, I think Red Valley 
posted this quote on our on our comment section on Monday or Tuesday, and the the quote is famous among old people, old members, not old people. And it went, my quote, my post went, fuckity fuck fuck fuck, <laughs> fucking offensive line can't block, fucking defense can't tackle, and it was like fuck, it was like four lines of fuck fuck fuck, and. Literally two minutes after I posted that, I think Levante David hit Braxton Miller and made him fumble. And from that point, I literally two minutes or something happened. Because in that game, I think Levante David hit Braxton Miller and put him out of the game or made him fumble. And Joe Bosserman had to come in. And everybody on that game, if you go back and look at that game thread, everybody exploded. They're like they. I think the next post was like, "John's fuck has magic in it." Everybody starts saying "fuck," and that whole game thread is the entire, literally the f word for sixty thousand. I don't know seven hundred forty five thousand f words in a row of bringing Nebraska back from down. We literally are thinking we're just. Fucking Nebraska back to Ohio State. You know what I mean? And then uh, the other thing is, is uh, years ago that that uh, that that uh, Glenn Mason, when we lost to Texas Tech, I was on the Texas Tech site that night. And when they were down by, I don't know, 35 points, I told the Texas Tech people, I said, don't worry about it. You're going to win. Okay. And they, they said. channel this soothsayer. Well, real quick before I get to that point, remember when you said that it, I had a very imaginative prediction last week about going to overtime tied at 31? Oh, you did You did say that, didn't you? Yeah, I did. Oh, and well, I was, yeah. I, I passed it on. But can you tap into that sage soothsayer wisdom on for this Saturday, please? Okay, we so do we want to just go ahead and do predictions because this is running long? Well, how how long is your chat with uh, Joe, the trophy guy, the chair guy? I think I kept that within. Uh, well, it's it's three of them, and it's about twelve minutes. All right, yeah. Well, let's let's get to our predictions, and then we'll uh, we'll get to your uh, conversations with the people from Minnesota. Ooh. Oh, come on, the the chair people—they were wonderful. Okay. The good people from Minnesota. The, yeah, the, the only the three you could find. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, since Haas has, uh, uh, well, Haas, do you have yours? Or I, I'll go first this time, and then and then oh. we'll then we'll cycle around to to you and then to uh, Sue Sayer John. So Nebraska's going to win. Nebraska's going to win. We all know that. Uh, I think they're going to come out. I think they're going to be pissed off. They should be. I mean, crying out loud, they're zero and six, and they let they've they've let no less than three games get away from them this season. So they're going to win fifty-two, going high, fifty-two twenty-eight on the road. Nice. It's going to be uh I'm 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 throwing the gauntlet down, Haas. I'm gonna go with forty-four twenty-three. Run game gets rolling and 
defense starts to show some signs of life. The heart rate monitor for the defense starts beating a little bit. Well, we'll see. Hopefully. Soothsayer John. Well, it's 0-7 in our future. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I think on, I, you know, when I, I, I mean, that's a 10-game ten, ten losing streak. I mean, this is the worst that, well, anybody that's ever been alive has ever experienced. And 0-6, we've never been there. I, I think that, you know, that people are right. This isn't really an 0-6 team. We tell ourselves to make ourselves feel better. Uh, I think there's a lot of... At some point, this has to explode. At some point, they, the regression of the mean says we win a game. Minnesota's offense shouldn't be able to score. They're not explosive. Uh, I'm going, uh, you know what I'm going with last year's score in the reverse, 54 to 21 Nebraska. And the thing is, is why I'm saying that is because, uh, because it's personal. And I really, you know what? I want to be able to text my fucking rotten son and go, yeah, how about that coach? How, how about that boat? Eh? Yeah. Burn, the, burn the boats. Yeah. So Throw that, you shit ass. <laughs> so I, I think when when Soothsayer John gets into his uh you know, his moments, I think I think the name, the proper name with a Nebraska flavor, if you will, Johnak the Magnificent. See what I did there? Yep. I, I will say this. I will say this. I, I, one of our Husker community members showed up tonight. Yes, you mentioned that. Yeah, Husker Joe in Minnesota, and he, he looks at me and he goes, "Are you John Damn Johnston?" And I went, "We well, have hell? a listener. <laughs> we got listeners." I said, do, "Do you listen to the podcast?" And he goes, "Yeah." And he goes, "I can't." He he said, uh, "You know, I'm." He wanted to listen tomorrow. Well, he, he do you can. say that we? Do you say that we are awful? No, because when you just so you know when you relay that conversation and you asked him if he listened to the podcast and the way you relayed his response was like yeah like begrudgingly he listened to the podcast. No, he was he loved he said he enjoyed the hell out of it. He was looking forward to listening to tomorrow. Uh, you know what I mean? I just I guess. I'm always surprised that I, I. Here's the thing: I don't live in Nebraska. I'm. I live in Minnesota. Sometimes it's easier to run a Nebraska site living far away from Nebraska. I realize that that's bizarre to most people, but I. I never worry about some guy driving up to my house and shooting me in the head because it's something I've said on my website. But. Hey, it's never happened to me. That's a that's a different conversation for the off season. But uh, it was nice. So Husker we'll, Joe in Minnesota. Husker Joe in Minnesota. He was a nice guy. He's our he's our uh, listener of the week. He is our listener. If we, had, if we had shirts, we'd send you one. Yeah, if we had shirts, we'd probably have some for ourselves first. But uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was really subtle. I, you know the. I, you need to get me in contact with your people, with your shirt, shirt people, John. That's all I, I, I've been saying. Yeah, your shirt guy. I've been beating. <laughs> okay, all I've, right. I've been beating that drum for six, eight months now. 
Yeah, we have the JDJ shirt, the Juice shirt, uh, Culture Wins Championships. By the way, that yeah. Juice shirt is literally a juice box. That says juice. Yes. Juice. It's the Husker juice, and we're all drinking it. Yep. <laughs> Since we can't use any, like, the Husker name, you know, or the N, we'll just have to be, like, a state of Nebraska somewhere on the juice box we could have the juice box and again everybody else can't see this but since we're skyping with video for the first time ever the juice box and the label where it says juice looks like the state of nebraska and the juice is in the 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 state outline there you go million dollar idea Copyright. I don't. I don't. I don't don't, want to start selling them i don't even understand what that means Copy, copyright uh, oh, com. Definitely don't listen to the show, John. <laughs> okay, so so John, uh, juice is the new slang terminology for what you and I, old old people like us, uh, refer to as the fire. Getting out there, getting getting on the field with the fire. But apparently, it's oh. the juice now. I, oh, okay. Which that's I always young. thought. I always thought juice being a liquid would extinguish the fire, but apparently that's is not there, the case. Is there is there an emoji? <laughs> I will find one now. I will find something that looks like a juice box for you. Because if there was emoji, I could understand it, kind of. So far, I've gotten into the poop emoji. <laughs> what the middle finger emoji? Oh, he loves the middle is finger emoji. Is there one of the- is there one of those? Oh, yeah. Do you send your wife the eggplant emoji? Which I don't understand this stuff. I, you know what? I'll tell you what. These ask, goddamn, your, ask your I, you know, Here's the thing. Here's the thing, you bastards. I work in IT. I understand more technology than you. All Just shitloads of you young people. But tonight, I was handed a phone and I was asked to take a picture of the guys with the trophy. And every time I tried to take this picture, I hit the damn button on the iPhone that wanted to turn it off. So it immediately go into security mode. It was embarrassing. And they were like, oh, you're an old person. You don't know what you're doing. And I'm like, oh, LTE 4G. I can under the cyber attacks. I understand all this shit, but I can't use a goddamn phone or emojis. I hate you people. Are we going to end this show now? John, my my one request for you is ask your rotten son what it means to send an eggplant emoji to a woman. Oh, oh God! Now I'm terrified. But okay, but like, do it. Here's what is you this do. Like no, 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 in no, DMs. No, no. no. Here, here's, you could use it while sliding into DMs. This yes. is what you should do. You should. Send the eggplant emoji to your wife, show Rotten Son, and say, hey, what does this mean? Because <laughs> then we're really going to have a fun dinner at Thanksgiving. And do like the water droplet yes. emoji along with The that. water droplets, ooh, and the uh, the smiley face with the tongue out. Mm. Yes. Yep. Jot, screenshots be posted in the Slack room, please. You know how I'd like to. You know how like I like to bring up history some, at some points. Well, yeah, because you lived yeah. most of it. Okay. <laughs> it, 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 uh, Jesus Christ. 
I'm sorry. That's that's profanity to me. I shouldn't take the Lord's name in vain. No, I don't care if I say the F word or stuff like that, but I never say GD or Jesus Christ. I mean, kind of stuff. you kind of do all the time on the show. I don't know if you know that or not. No, I don't. I say fucking shit and sons of bitches, but I don't say them either. Hey, t- t- tell you what, John. When, when this, okay, when this let, show posts, uh, I want you to go back and listen I, to the beginning. <laughs> like the first 30 seconds. Uh-huh. Oh, fine. I used to love you guys. <laughs> All right, sorry, continue. Okay, fine. Are we done? No, you Let's be you, done. You were going to make a, a statement. I don't no, know we, where I don't know where how long going. are the podcasts? Do people listen to these? How many podcast listeners do we have? Uh, I honestly, hold on, I can tell you. I am in uh, I'm in the system. I'm in the back channels. That He's in the dirty. system. That, He's back tracing it. That sounds dirty. I'm in the back channels. Uh, da, 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 da. Um, yeah. Kill, kill time. Talk about uh, 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 talk about that three four defense or something. Well, you know we we just gotta be able to run the damn ball. All right. Talk talk about Husker football. Like no. You're wait, not a from, wait a no, minute. Wait a minute. That's no. actually. You know what? Is are, is this still part of the podcast? Yeah. Okay, listen. Do you have a problem with the three four? No. No, I'm not talking. I'm talking to the football coach to be guy. Fuck you. Apparently, my opinion doesn't I, matter. I, You're goddamn right. You're the audio engineer, dude. Goddamn <laughs> shit ass. Shit. All right. I'm, gonna sit here. I'm just gonna sit here. That's good. I see that like dejected look on your face on video. I feel better about myself now. <laughs> see that? Listen, do you see that? Okay, John? a lot of people. A lot of people apparently have. Okay, it seems like some people. Some people have a problem with the three four. Those people probably couldn't tell you why they have a problem with it, other than there's one less defensive lineman on the line of scrimmage. Literally, like, you hear that so often. Oh, three fourths doesn't work. Alabama wins with three four. Granted, they have a lot of good players. LSU wins with three four. Georgia wins with three four. You know, I the people who say that it doesn't work are just people who are looking to complain about something. You know, you know what? You know what LSU is winning with? LSU is winning with Joe Burrow. A quarterback who can actually who can because no, they actually have an offense now. They haven't had an offense in years. They also have a great offensive line. Yeah, but they've had a good offensive line for years. Okay, they have a great offense. That's true. That's a good point. But yeah, the three four people they drive me nuts. All right, more about the specific calls rather than the structure of the defense. I'm adjusting my statistics here. Did we lose John? No, he's no. I was quiet for a moment. I'm sorry, guys. I know. I thought you might have, you know. I'm fired up. It's personal. (laughs) Over our last eight episodes of the podcast, we are averaging 905 downloads per show with spikes of, uh, you know, we've had three shows over 1,000 downloads, one over 1,200 downloads. So we got a few listeners. Is that good? 
I mean, it's it's better than any of the other shows on the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. <laughs> better than that GD Big Red Cobcast. Them oh. fuckers. <laughs> Love you, Pat. Love you, Tweety. Pat, you know what? And, and I'll say this. I, I, I was a few days behind, so I finally listened to their newest episode today in the truck. Uh, Pat, the stat made a good point. This season will suck, but next season will rock. Yes. And then... Well, you can't, you can't, I mean, we're all in six, but we've lost in the most bizarre ways possible. I mean, we screwed ourselves multiple times. We just literally had the weirdest, stupidest luck, bad luck possible. I mean, there is a, there is a concept of regression to the mean where you return to average and you can't be this dumb all the time. Well, just remember too, Mike Riley's first year. I know you know people are going to say, "Oh, he had some wins. He didn't start zero and six. But a lot of those losses, I mean, they they ended up, you know, five and seven uh, or uh, six and yeah, six and seven after the bowl game. But you know, five and seven in the regular season. But a lot of those losses were, you know, there was the hail mary to BYU. There was you know a lot of a lot of. Uh, crazy nonsense in in that in his first year that you know s- similar situation is the team found really awkward ways uh, unique ways to lose football games. It's just unfortunate that, or I say mostly un- most unfortunate that in Scott Frost, you know the the second coming. Uh, you know I've heard other people refer to him snarkily. Not sure that's a word, but uh, sarcastically anyway as the savior. You know things like that. It's unfortunate it's all happening in his first year, but there really is, like, sunshine on the horizon. This is, um, for any nerds out there, this is, like, 30 days of night. Uh, this is, like, the the darkness, uh, and shit's going to get rolling around. I have I continue to have every bit of confidence and hope and optimism in it because if if I didn't have any, then I might as well be an Iowa fan. And I'm not going to be an Iowa fan. So um, Iowa City, East Berlin of the big time. I I have seen that uh, elsewhere in in, uh, written form on uh, Twitter in the past week. It's kind of fun. So that'll do it for for us. And uh, we're going to have some uh, words from John and his Minnesota friends, eh, contacts, people that he found who were decent people uh and that'll be it that'll be it for the show uh so we're going to end our our portion here and then john and then and then we're done so uh for myself greg mahochko for hoss reuter and john dam johnston we appreciate you listening in uh downloading sharing with your friends in in good weeks and bad and uh just keep coming back because uh, as, when the team figures it out, our shows are going to become even more fun because we're not going to be yelling nearly as much. Uh, we'll be celebrating and cheering and, and probably drinking more. So uh, that'll be it. We remind you this week and every week that five heart is all the heart you need. John? Go Big Red. Win a damn game. That was pretty weak, wasn't it? It sounded Go like it Big Red! It sounded like you were, you know, like like the Go Big Red uh, train was out of, out of fuel, out of juice. Out of I juice. was just, 
I just love listening to your voice, Greg. I didn't want to hear my voice anymore. Well, I have been known. Uh, true story. <laughs> they, when I was on the radio, they said I had a soothing baritone. I, I have the voice of a meth addict being arrested. <laughs> you know, I thought I, I saw like, you on cops. Let's face it. Let's be serious. I, I mean, kind of sounds like a I fork being dropped into a blender. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of is. It's kind of like, oh, God, you're okay. You're too young. I was going to bring up Don Knot. I remember who doesn't know Don Knot? Barney Fife. Yeah. Okay, fine. Damn, I, I even know of a role that, of a movie that he and Andy uh, Griffith were in prior to the Andy Griffith show. Did you ever see No Time for Sergeants, John? Oh my oh, God! Remember, I don't remember movies, but yes, I do. I, I yes. There you go. That was really old. Okay, here is the one thing I didn't bring up this week. Wait a minute. Hold on. Let me stop the recording. Okay. <laughs> This is John with the Five Heart Podcast or whatever we're calling it this year. You guys know how bad my memory is. Um, I am at Stubb and Herbs, which is an iconic bar next to the University of Minnesota. It's been here for years. It's a bar in which many, many Gopher fans gather before sporting events or before they've going to take their finals and they know they're going to fail them. But I'm here with the guys who are in charge of the. How do we? How do we actually say this? The five dollar bits of broken chair trophy, and I'm I'm going to let them introduce themselves to you, and uh, they're going to tell us some about the trophy. Uh, my name is Mary Stubnick. I've been on the chair team since we restarted it last year. Uh, I graduated from the U in 2006. Was in the marching band while I was here. And as soon as the chair started on Twitter between Faux Pelini and Goldie, I knew it was going to be one of the greatest trophies that we had. And when we saw the opportunity to bring it back and add a charitable component to it, I jumped all over it. My name is Joe. I um, have been a, a lifelong Gopher football fan. And to give you some context about where I'm coming from and, and why I, I really wanted to be involved in something positive surrounding Gopher football is that my most formative memory, well, maybe top one or two most formative memories about Gopher football was losing to Michigan in 2003, where all we had to do was stop one goddamn sweep play, and we would have won. We would have won a share of the Big Ten title and gone to the fucking Rose Bowl, right? There were a number of plays that we could have won that game with. You don't need to isolate only that. Okay, just just one. One of them. Anyway, the Broken Chair Trophy is a positive aspect, I think, of uh, Gopher history, and I, I wanted to I wanted to be involved in that side of things. Um, well, I'm sure we'll talk more about it. I am Chelsea, and I've also been on the chair team since it's um, – glorious return to college football a couple of years ago and I was um, sitting at home on opening weekend of the 2017 college football season and um, I was drunk on my couch and saw that the um, 
chair was back on Twitter. Somebody had remade a replica, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, that was my absolute favorite trophy. And, and yes, okay, to be fair, Mary tweeted it at me and brought to my attention. But in my um, alcohol-induced state, I obviously decided that I absolutely had to internet stalk these people that had made the new chair down and um, talk to them and tell them that we would be happy to be involved in any way that we possibly could. And so thus, the Minnesota branch of the chair team was born. I was supposed to be thinking of questions, but I was actually listening to you guys. (laughs) How did you guys get... uh, the two charities, uh, Team Jack and Masonic Children's. Masonic Children's Hospital. I mean, how did they think you were complete lunatics when you came to them and said, we want to do this as a fundraiser? Yes. <laughs> Was either of them more receptive than the other? No, they were, they were, um, they were confused at first, but very um, interested and uh, wanted to know how they could help. Um, I think there's certainly a lot of, uh, uh, from their, their end, there was some uncertainty as to, you know, what the potential was, I think. Um, and we, we certainly had um, some work to do to prove ourselves last year. And um, I think once we were done, when we, we, you know, last year we raised $7,500. Um, we had set a goal of 5000 and um, we're very pleased to um, have exceeded that goal. Um, I think I think they they saw the potential in, in what we were doing, um, and um, they're they're 100 on board. They're excited about what we're doing, and and are uh, we're all working together to think about wh- how we can make this bigger as the years go on. So do you, do you, do you guys see this accepted as an official trophy, or does it even matter? I mean, does it is it okay with it just being kind of an organic thing that, that schools don't officially recognize? And, and how do you feel about that? You know, I think that um, we're obviously very excited to have had such success bringing the trophy back. And um, we are also very excited to be, well, as far as we know, the only fan-led trophy in college football right now, and also the only rivalry trophy that has a charitable cause behind it. Um, so that's something that we're really proud of and something that we're really excited about. At the same time, um, we maintain some good relationships with our contacts in both athletic departments. And um, would we love for the trophy to be officially sanctioned at some point? I think that everybody would love that. Um, but for now, we're focusing on our cause, focusing on raising some money. And people are excited. Um, we've currently outpaced our goal um, as far as where we were at for fundraising last year at this time. And so we're ahead of that today. We still have two whole days to go until game day. And um, we're very excited to see where that takes us. And I think we're going to have a lot of discussion in the off season as to where we want to go from here. Yeah, I mean, ideally, we'd all love to see it exchanged on the field. I mean, half the fun of these trophies is watching your team storm over to the other sideline and grab it, and and we'd love for that to happen eventually. But the ownership and, and like personal connection that a lot of fans are feeling with it is because we're the ones keeping it alive. So that's a really fun aspect of it right now is that social media has been blowing up this whole week, and people are talking about it and telling their friends about it and starting their own polls about it on Twitter and... There's just a lot of the podcasts are covering us like you guys are, and it's 
it's really cool to see the grassroots nature of it, and I feel like that's what will build the ownership and the loyalty to it, where fans are going to really appreciate it and feel like when we win it, it's important, and that we won it as a fan base when the team wins, too. So that not losing that tie is, is going to be critical to the, to the trophy success as well. Okay, so I'm going to... I'm going to... My fan base might hate me for asking this, but, I mean, last year you just stomped the living crap out of us. 54 to what, 21? 21, yes. Yeah, I shot that game. I was on the field, you know, with a camera. And at one point in that game I thought, Minnesota has the ball on offense. I better get down to the other end of the field because they're going to get down there anyway. And then I saw, what was that kid's name, Demery Croft? Yeah. Running by me as I'm trying to walk down to the other end zone. And, it's, it's, uh, you guys are all laughing, but it's a terrible feeling. Anyway. We've been there. How, yeah. I, I, I mean, Minnesota football, I've been up here for many years. I had season tickets during the Wacker era. And that 2003 game, was that the game where Michigan scored like 28 points in the yeah, fourth we quarter. Already, we already talked about that. We've, it's over. We're done. Who, who was the quarter? Chad Henney ran down the sidelines or something as fast as I could at the age of 56. I don't recall. It didn't happen. <laughs> I have to get my digs in. Okay. Anyway, uh, we have a football game coming up. Nebraska's 0-6 for the first time ever in the history of mankind. Uh, how do you think your gophers are going to fare this weekend? She's, like, clawing at me for the mic. I, I, I do want to say for the record that the song that we play before our team kicks off after scoring became my favorite song after that week. We got to hear it a lot that week last year, and it's my favorite song ever right wow. now. So that was a lot of fun. We did not score a lot of points the rest of that year, so we really no, we appreciated it. It was, like, one of the last nice days of fall. Like, it was really nice of you guys to let us have that. It, we, we had a good yeah. average over yeah, the it, uh, it really it helped us carry through the winter, so we really appreciate that. As far as this year, I think we're up here. We just we want the trophy to do well, and having it be the first win of the Scott Frost era to have that be a trophy-winning game would be very cool for you guys. So I'm gonna have like I can't cannot cheer against my own team, but that'll be the silver lining. Is that hopefully that will ingratiate us? But an 0-6 team is, is is a trap game for us. We've had our hearts broken before. I don't. I, I want us to win. I want us to win real bad, but that's the silver lining I'll take if we lose. We won't lose. <clears throat> <laughs> the, the, view, yeah, yeah. the the views of, of Mary do not represent. I've been, I've been <laughs> uh, no, I, I mean, I'm I'm not a great college football mind, but I, I will I will say what lots of people have been saying is that Nebraska doesn't look like an 0-6 team. And so uh, uh, I, I think we're all feeling like this is going to be a tight game one way or another. And, and uh, I, I'm excited to go to Memorial Stadium for the first time. I've never been there and um, looking forward to, to experiencing. Where's the chair chant going in? Yeah, uh, where, where's the chair chant? Uh, watch for that. Also, we're looking forward to teaching um, our friends in Nebraska about our favorite gopher chant, which is, uh, a call and response chant, which goes, "Who hates Iowa?" We hate Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> we think you guys will like that one. <laughs> well, we all yeah, that is one thing we have in common. I mean, who who likes Iowa? You know, nobody except themselves. This okay. Can, this can be a friendly rivalry. We can we can unite over that. Yeah. 
Okay, is there, is there anything else you'd like to say about the chair or college football or Stubbin Herbs, traditions or anything that I might have not asked because I'm not a very good interviewer anyway? No, I think that um, the chair trophy is definitely a great example of everything that college football is about. And um, we're here tonight at our Minnesota send-off party for the Bits of Broken Chair Trophy, um, having some fun. And Seven Herbs has been continually such a great host and such a great supporter of us um, between letting us host here and making donations to the cause. Um, so we're definitely very grateful to them for that. Um, and we definitely look forward to coming to Lincoln tomorrow. Um, watch for the chair on Twitter and social media on the way down there. Um, we will probably have some road trip pictures and um, be interacting on our way down to Lincoln. So, The only other thing I, I would throw out there is that um, for folks that are in Lincoln, we'll be at Blue Blood Brewing Company. We'll be at Blue Blood Brewing Company tomorrow night from 7 Onward? Friday. Yeah. So uh, Friday, um, uh, night before the game, we'll be at Blue Blood. And then game day, um, starting in the morning, we'll be at Tailgates all day until uh, kickoff. And if you want us anywhere, Yep. So um, if you want us anywhere, uh, contact us on Twitter. We'll show up. Um, and for folks who aren't going to be able to see us in person, please head to brokenchairtrophy.com and consider donating. There's a link there to a GoFundMe page where you can uh, support our two great uh, charities, the Team Jack Foundation and the University of Minnesota Masonic Children's Hospital. Okay, and this is John, and we're going to sign off from Stubb and Herb so I can have a beer. Thanks, John. Okay, and from Stubb and Herbs we get... Cheer! 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 It's not, wait, come on. Chair, 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 chair. There you go, thank you. This is a production of the Jittery Monkey Podcast Network. For more jittery shenanigans, go to jitterymonkey.com. Jittery Monkey.